Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulullah al-Kareem Wa qala Allahu subhanahu wa ta'ala inna Allahu huwa al-razzaqu dhul quwwati al-mateen Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim Jazakumullah khayyan everyone for coming to the Mihrab Foundation Sacred Knowledge class on the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We first praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for having guided us to Iman to make us from the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we send peace and blessings upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon his family and his progeny and his pure wives and his noble companions and all those that followed them in their ways. <coughs> so we left off a couple of weeks ago uh, on Al-Wakil was the last name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we covered. So this week we go on to Al-Qawi and Al-Mateen. So these are two names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, are, that Imam Ghazali rahimullah, he mentions together. It's very brief. It's, I think, two sentences. Uh, and the reason for this is because in a later name, he's going to go a little bit back into Qawi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, so Al-Qawi we can say is the strong. And Al-Mateen is the firm. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الرَّزَّاقِ That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is الرَّزَّاقِ The sustainer. And He is the possessor of strength, the firm. So these two are related and that's why Imam Ghazali rahimullah, brings them together as one section. There's a slight difference, a technical difference between the two. Qawi as we said is strong. And this indicates the perfection of power. Whereas firm, being firm, indicates the intensification of it. So qawi indicates the perfection of power. And mateen, being firm, the, the firm one, indicates another, a higher level of that strength. Intensified version of it. Meaning that he is the inexhaustible one. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, he is strong, he has all power. And he is the one who is never exhausted in doing anything. To create a hundred, a hundred or a thousand or a million universes, just like we have now, is just as easy for him to do all of that as it is for him to do just one of those. That it makes no difference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is not, uh, it's all the same to him, it's all the same playing field. He's not, he will never be exhausted by anything that he does. So <clears throat> it is mentioned that Mateen is one whose might is perfect and in the utmost perfection of strength. Okay, Qawi is simply the strong one, the one who is powerful. But Mateen is the one whose that might is perfect. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when our when our matter or when our command came, then we we saved Salih. Who knows the story of Salih alayhi salam? Somewhat? What? B- basic? It's the one with the camel. Right. The one with the camel, right? That the, the, the people that he was sent to, they asked for some sign of his. They asked for some sign to prove that you are a messenger from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they went into great detail that make a, a camel come out of this rock, right? Or this mountainside. Because that was impossible. So by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when it happened... They still refuted him. They, they still denied him, rather. And then they went on, they killed that camel. 
and he was he warned them that don't come near this camel, right? But they they didn't like it one because it was a proof that it was that he was a messenger from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and two, it was a lot bigger than all the rest, <laughs> and when it would go eat and drink, the others wouldn't have as much. So they made a rule that this camel will eat one day and drink one day and the others will go to the watering hole the next day. Uh, but still, the people of Saleh, they, they still went and they killed that camel. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed them. But why did He dis- destroy them? This was Ad, right? The Qawm of Ad. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed them because they denied the Prophet and when, you, when a sign, it was the the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when the people in the past would ask for a sign in order to prove the truthhood of the prophets, to, to, to prove the prophethood of the, of the Anbiya, and then still denied it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would take them to task. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, we shouldn't ask for that, you know what I mean? Obviously, like, we shouldn't ask for signs to prove something to be true from, you know, regarding the Prophet ﷺ. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we can't ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a sign, right? We ask Him for a sign to guide us, for example. That's okay to do. And we've mentioned before also that in Surah Yasin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives reference saying that uh, the people that were destroyed, of, uh, where su- the, the people that Surah Yasin is speaking about, that was the last time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave, sent like a, a general destruction down upon an entire community. After that, he will never do it again on an, on enti- uh, over an entire group of people. Right, so then it goes on and says that, uh, that we saved Saleh and those that believed with him by mercy from our side. Uh, and indeed, your, uh, uh, indeed your Rabb, he is Al-Qawi Al-Aziz. He is the, the strong one, right? Al-Qawi. And he is mighty. So it's mentioned that Qawi and Aziz are mentioned together seven times in the Qur'an. Seven times does Al-Qawi come with Al-Aziz. The reason for that is because Qawi is strength, supreme strength. Aziz is most honored. So this supreme strength is not suitable except for the one who has the most honor. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings the two of them together. That's Aziz, right? Not Mateen. Then Imam Ghazali rahimullah goes on and other ulama who've written on this subject that with Allah's power, so we mentioned Imam Ghazali usually goes into some type of counsel, right? Other ulama who have written on the nine-nine names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have done this a similar, have had a similar style. So they men- mentioned that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's power, the servant defeats lust, anger, negativity, and all these other things. That what is the counsel that is being given to us by the ulama and the usage of this name is that how, what share can we take from this name that we have to seek power and strength from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to defeat everything that is an enemy to us. And it is mentioned that, namely, what is an enemy to us? Shaitan and our nafs. So when we are angry, for example, it is a habit, uh, it is a habit to say that la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Right? That there is no power except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is a way to curb your anger. Why? We're trying to defeat our anger because our nafs is now getting the better of us. So to defeat our nafs or shaitan is coming to us. So in order to defeat that, we call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remember that power comes from Him and He is the all-powerful. And it's mentioned also that if a person has some fear or is entering some dangerous place, then he should recite la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-aliyil azim. And either their fear will go away, go away or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then protect them. This doesn't mean we should just willingly and carelessly go into a situation that's not good for us or a situation that's going to cause them fear, right? We have to be safe. But if we find ourselves in such a circumstance, 
we employ these different litanies that have been prescribed for us in these names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no strength except with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and Mateen, what does Mateen do? So Mateen we mentioned is what? That it is the utmost perfection of strength. It's an intensified version of that. So Yaqawi uh, should be used to seek strength from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to defeat anything that is an enemy to us, lust and anger and these types of things. Or, to, or as a protection against things that could cause us harm. And Ya Mateen is used to remove bad character. Even it's used to remove our own tyranny. So if somebody is being oppressive to you, call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with Qawi. And if we realize that we are oppressing others, that we are tyrannical in, uh, by, uh, in and of ourselves, then we should use Ya Mateen in order to bring good character into our hearts, into our lives. I tried to expand on that as much as I could. Because <laughs> it's a very short section. Uh, then Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, he goes on. Does anyone have any questions regarding that? Qawi and Mateen. Mateen? Qawi? Qawi, yeah. Qaf, wow, and the yeah, Qawi. <clears throat> the next name that he goes on to is Al-Wali. So Wali is the patron. You can say the one who loves also, but... That was more for Al-Wadud. Wali is the patron. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Qur'an, Allahu waliyu ladhina amanu. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the wali. He is the patron. He is the protecting friend of those that believe. Yukhrijuhum minal dhulumati ilan nur. He takes them out from the darkness into the light. He takes them out from the darkness into the light. So wali has some indications, has some implications. And that implication, there's several different meanings we can take for wali, but the common denominator for all of them is nearness. So it could be a friend, it could be a guardian, it could be a master, it could be um, an ally, it could be a neighbor, it could be a cousin, it can be so many different things. But all of, the, all of these different understandings of wali and their usages can be uh, described as that relationship with somebody, or a very close relationship with an individual, with a companion, some type of close companionship. And Yusuf salam, he said, Anta waliyi fid dunya wal akhirah. That, oh Allah, you are my wali. You are my patron. You are my guardian. You are my friend in this dunya and in the akhirah. So Yusuf salam, he says this. It's mentioned that, that, then that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he suppresses those who oppose him. This is the, indication, the implication of wali as well. That him being wali, he, he suppresses those who oppose him. He protects and supports those who believe in him. Because he is our wali. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah uh, inna awliya Allah la khawfun alihim wa lahum yahzanun. That, uh, that listen, indeed, Allah, the, the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have no fear, nor do they grieve. That when you become a friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that fear and that grieving doesn't overwhelm you. It doesn't overtake you anymore. You won't be, you know, held down by, by misfortune. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on. So what he says, Inna awliya Allah, right? The friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now he goes on and he describes who are the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are those that have no fear and they do not grieve. They are those who believe and they uh, are people of taqwa. Lahumul bushra fil hayat dunya wa fil akhirah. That for them will be a glad tiding in this life. 
uh, in the life of this world and in the akhirah la tabdila li kalimatillahi dhalika huwal fawzul azim that there, the word of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not change and that is a great victory that is an open victory a supreme victory so these are descriptions of the awliya of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they neither fear nor do they have grief they are people who believe and they are people who have taqwa they fear allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Right, so they have no fear except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are conscious and aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will have glad tidings in this life and they will have glad tidings in the akhirah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that these are promises to them. And the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it does not change. So there's many viewpoints regarding this type of friendship. We have to understand that there's different levels of wilaya as well. There's a general and am wilaya, a general wilaya. And this is for those people like anybody who believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who believes in La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, everyone enters into this type of wilaya with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They become a type of friend to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then there is a khas wilaya. And that khas wilaya is something that has to be attained. It's something that has to be achieved through our good actions, through our good works, and through the state of our heart. And these are, this is something that, so just by believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger, you enter into one type of wilaya. But now you have to work to attain this higher level of wilaya. So anyway, there's many viewpoints regarding this type of friendship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the verse recited. Number one, Allah, it can say, you can understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes charge of all the affairs of people. In a way that a guardian takes care of an orphan. So this is basically for everyone. right? This, type, this is almost basically for everybody. But then there's the addition that uh, the way a guardian takes care of an orphan. And so again, you understand this closeness that comes with them, right? So that's why you can say that it's not... Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of the affairs of everyone, whether Muslim or non-Muslim. But then specifically in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about those who have a higher level with, with Him. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of them the way a guardian takes care of an orphan. And so a mola can be understood in this manner. Right, Mawla, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refer, refers to himself as Mawla. Right, sometimes we hear, we hear people saying Mawlana, right, particularly like the subcontinent, you'll hear instead of Shaykh, you'll hear Mawlana. And some people have issues with that, that how can you say that Allah ta'ala is Mawlana? So we're going through some different meanings that Wali or Mawla can mean. That's why it's okay to refer to a scholar as Mawla or Mawlana. Okay, because it's not specific, that name is not specific to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Wali is specific, right? But Mawla is not specific, it has many different meanings. So as we mentioned, what? It can mean guardian, yeah. No, no, so Al-Wali, right? Al-Wali is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that is because He is the highest guardian, right? The most supreme, so that Alif Lam, that it comes before it, becomes specific, makes it specific for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But referring to other people as wali can be done. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that, awliya Allah, right? So awliya is the plural of wali. That's the plural of wali. So that we can refer to other individuals as a wali. A wali is a friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we shouldn't go around just, some people have this habit of just saying, this is a wali, this is a wali, this is a wali. Like I've met an individual who, <laughs> no matter who he talks about, this is a wali of Allah, I know he's a wali of Allah. The ulama have said that to claim, to, to claim that so many different people are a wali, you yourself are claiming wilaya. Why? Because awliya recognize the awliya. 
Somebody who's a wali, they recognize wali. You can be a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not know it. And what happens sometimes is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it manifest for the people. Right? So sometimes some type of karama happens. Right? So there's mu'jiza, which is a miracle on the hands of the anbiya. And then there's karamat, miracles that happen on the hands of those that are not prophets and messengers. Sometimes those types of things occur and Allah Ta'ala, is, all He's doing is He's making that person's wilaya manifest. So like in our traditions, we have, you know, Mawlana Qasim Nanotwi, Rahimullah. He, he's like, you know, the big shot of, of India, no longer alive. But most of the, so many madaris around the world are all linked because of the madrasa that he established, that he set up. Uh, he, he went to his, he went to his sheikh one day and he said, you know, I, I don't have it in me to sit for hours and hours and make dhikr. Right? I think I've shared this story. Have I shared this story here? No? So he said that, you know, I, I have, um, I, I don't have it in me to make hours and hours of dhikr. What should I do? So his sheikh said, go and do the work of the anbiya. What's the work of the Anbiya? Test question. Okay. That's part of it, yeah. But specifically, what you mean is to give da'wah, right? Right. That's typically the answer everybody gives. Be close to Allah? No, they are close to Allah, but that's not their responsibility. That's not their job, right? They just, they are close to Allah. The, huh? Gain knowledge. No, no, disperse knowledge. To teach. The work of the Anbiya is to teach. Right? And the Prophet said, I was not sent except as a teacher. Right? So he says, he tells Mulan Qasim Anotwi, he says, go and do the work of the Anbiya. So then he goes and he establishes institution, an institution of learning. And from there, like his students spread all over the world. To the point that you have Madaris in America, you know, the one that we, went, uh, we attended in South Africa, all over the world. So many of them are linked to that sort of fraternity. Right? Anyway, he went and he... Uh, he was in his room one day and someone wanted to ask him a question. So they knocked on the door and he didn't answer, but they heard him. La ilaha illallah. Or they heard him making dhikr. Allah, Allah, Allah. So he's not answering. They went into the room. The individual goes into the room and they see that he's asleep. And he's not moving his tongue. So where is that sound coming from? They heard it coming from his heart. And when news of this spread to the ulama, they said, this is a clear sign that he is a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so it's like that, right? A person can be a wali and others don't know about it. The person themselves might not know about it. Sometimes Allah ta'ala makes something apparent which manifests that wilaya to the people. Okay, but we shouldn't go around. So sometimes that happens and then people will say, this is a wali of Allah. But we shouldn't go around just claiming everyone's a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's something that I've heard some of the people of knowledge mentioning that to do that is to, in a way, claim your own wilaya. Uh, <clears throat> so you can refer to people as a wali, <laughs> right? Now, uh, the second point, so we mentioned the first understanding is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a charge of the affairs of people. The second is to be a supporter, right? Some, one person who supports another. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ That the believing men and women... They are friends to one another, meaning they are supporters of one another. They are awliya, again the plural of wali. They are supporters of one another. The third one is somebody who loves others. And the fourth one is specifically the love that you have for a companion. So more specifically, a nearness that is established between two individuals. And as we mentioned in the beginning, all these different meanings, they connote nearness. Every single understanding and meaning we have 
is a meaning of nearness. So we talk about guardian and the you know an orphan, for example, or two companions to each other, uh, whatever it may be. It's a relationship that is extremely the two individuals have are extremely close with one another. So when we put this in terms of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because He is Al-Wali, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Qur'an, وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ That we are closer to, we are closer to them, than what? Than the jugular vein. Now this is not in a literal sense, obviously. If it was a literal sense, that means Allah ta'ala is in our throat. Na'udhu <laughs> billah. Right? But again, we mentioned what? There's some things that are literal in the Qur'an, and there's many things that are metaphorical in the Qur'an. So all of these types of verses, we can, we can take in the metaphorical sense. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that we are... Yeah? Has that phrase ever um, been like understood to mean like closer than life and death? Allah ta'ala is closer to us than life and death? No. Uh, not that I know of. I don't know. Did you come across anything? Can be interpreted. <coughs> yeah, I haven't come across it, but it doesn't mean it's not. Can be right? So what, what's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trying to tell us? That He is He's just waiting for us to befriend Him so that He can raise us to a higher level. This is the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has said that we are closer to them than, even, than they are to themselves. Right? That's what He's telling us here. And a wali is what? Somebody who has that extreme closeness and nearness to an individual. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, look, I'm, already, I'm ready to be your wali. Right? I'm ready to be close to you. I'm ready to be your, I'm already close to you. Right? Why is it that you then don't turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well? You know? It's like sometimes we want to be, we, we know that somebody is very, uh, is a good individual, good person. We want to be close to them. And it's like they're just not coming around. How hurt do we feel, right? We feel at a loss. Imagine then that should we be that way with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The difference is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala incurs no loss if we don't turn to Him. It's only our own loss. Right, so then the, the ulama mentioned that a person who has this connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this wilaya with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be noted to have a divine shine, a divine light that emanates from them. So we talk about nur that comes from an individual. Right? A lot of times you'll hear that somebody comes back from Hajj and you'll hear people saying, oh, there's a, a nur that's with you. There's a light that's with you. That, maybe that's metaphorical, but it can very much so be literal. It can very much so be literal. It's mentioned that what the companions were, you know, sometimes they, when, they, when they'd be walking, you'd see a light coming out of them. And when they would part to go around a tree or something, or they'd part to go in two separate directions, you would see like two lights walking away, going away in those directions. That literally light emanated from them. Right? So this light can be seen from such individuals. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to see it, and sometimes the rust of our own hearts, it becomes a barrier for us to see it also. Right? There was, so like Sheikh Mushtaq came last week, <clears throat> and you know, his, mashallah, his, his talks are, very, are typically very simple. You know? But, I can't, I mean, subhanAllah, I can't tell you guys how much benefit I've gained from him. I met him when I was about your guys' age. I was like 19, I think. No, I was about 20 or 21, okay, when I, met, when I met him. And that's really when my life began to change, right? So we talk about the state of heart of an individual. It's not about the, 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 how deep the talks get, how high level the talks get. It's about 
how your heart can start to change. Because we can hear great talks, right? We can hear great bayans and feel really good about it. But if it's not bringing a change to our life, then what's the point of it all? You know, the ulama, you know, one of the mashaykh of the past, people asked him, they said, you know, what is, you know, let us benefit from you. Let us take some benefit from you. He said, okay. So he sat down and he didn't say a word. And several minutes passed and then they said, you know, Shaykh, let us benefit from you. You're not saying anything. He said, if you won't benefit from my silence, you won't, you won't benefit from my speech. And he got up and left. <laughs> right? Because there's actually, we've spoken about this before as well, this connection be- from heart to heart. There's a research, there's a, some organization called Heart Math. Has anybody heard of it? Anybody seen the documentary I Am? Yeah? No? So it's a, it's a study... <laughs> Has anybody seen Ace Ventura? <laughs> okay. So the same guy that made that made this documentary. <laughs> okay. Uh, and he basically, he had some life-changing experience and, you know, he started research into these different types of things, the state of the heart and all that stuff. And so he comes across this organization called Heart Math. And he sits with these psychologists and whatnot and they start discussing and telling him the studies that they're doing with the heart. So they said that the... You know, for years, we've thought that what the brain is what controls the body and what controls the heart. But that's not true. What we're finding now is that the heart controls the, the brain. The heart actually controls the brain. That, you know, when, you, when you're hooked up to a machine in the hospital and, like, you see the pulse going, and you have the pulse that, you know, it goes up and then it's, like, a flat line for a moment and then it pulses again. So there's more information in that flat line than there is in the pulse itself. And... <clears throat> What they said was that basically an individual, they said that your heart actually emits a signal. The heart actually emits a signal to the point that there's others who could feel what you're feeling without you describing it. And we can understand that, right? If we have that, a close relationship with a friend, sometimes you can just tell when they're not, they're not themselves. Even though they might not have said or done anything that would have been different, but you can feel that state of their heart. They said sometimes, they actually went as far as saying that you can actually figure out something is going to happen a few moments before it happens. <clears throat> but what they said was, it's interesting, they actually, they put this guy down in front of a bowl of yogurt and they hooked up, they put two wires in the yogurt and nothing was hooked up to the individual. And they started asking him different questions and they said, you know, so what are you, um, you know, are you married? And this was like picking up the different it was the, the yogurt or the machine hooked up to the yogurt was measuring some signal. And it's supposed to remain, like it's best to remain on zero. They asked him about his wife, who was his ex-wife at the time. They asked him about his agent. They asked him about his lawyer. They asked him about these things. Whenever he mentions one of those things, the meter like shot through the roof. And the yogurt, nothing was hooked up to him. But they, so, they showed that, look, the way that your heart feels when these things are mentioned have an effect on the bacteria in the yogurt. Right? Now what's interesting is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned, has used the word fu'ad for heart in the Qur'an. And that, has told, that tells us that the heart receives and sends a signal. That's what that word, that's the nuance that we understand from that word. Okay? So we sit with people, we go, we go to talks, we sit with people, the people of piety. Yeah. What's the name of that? Documentary? I am. I am, yeah. Huh? Tom Shadiak. Tom Shadiak, yeah. So, uh, we sit with the people, we go and search out, seek out the uliya, 
so that, that what's in their heart can transfer into our heart. That's what we mean when we say this knowledge and this religion is transferred not through books but from heart to heart. Right? And now we have so much advantage of distance learning but we're missing out. <laughs> we're missing out on the key concepts and what Islam is all about. Distance learning is good to learn the rules and these types of things, you know, increase us in knowledge, but practical application and state of the heart is not really gained through distance learning. Uh, yeah. When you talk about the experiment and all that, are we talking about our heart physically, or like the heart and soul heart? Like so there is a heart of the body and there is a heart of the soul as well, yeah. right? Allahu yeah. uh, Alam, but they're, they're, the two are linked also, right? The two are linked as well. Right, so we seek out the awliya and whatnot so that we can have a so that our heart can 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 change and be remolded to something that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right, so for example, we mentioned this light that shines. Uh, and I was as I was mentioning about Shaykh Mushtaq, honestly my life really changed, you know, when I when I came across him. I was just studying in school with you guys. You don't even want to know the things I was doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But your life begins to change as you're around these people. You can go to MSA conferences. You know, we used to put conferences on ourselves, right? You go to these conferences, listen to these talks and all that stuff. But when your heart is not attached with the, with the, the pious and the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then very little change will take place. You know, I was with him once and we were in California. And uh, we were just, you know, we stopped on our way to San Diego. And it was just before Maghrib time, and we walked out on the dock. There was like nine of us that were with him, nine or ten of us. There was two cars of people. And he stood on the corner of a dock, right? So the dock like went out like this, and then it kind of jetted out, and then it went again. Or it, no, it, it came in and went out, right? So he's standing here, um, and the dock's going out. And he stands on the corner, and we all kind of gather around him. Nobody behind, I couldn't even see him, because I was behind some of the other guys. And this guy walks by us from behind, and then he stops, and he's like, excuse me, excuse me. And he makes his way through, and he just comes up to him, and he's like, I just wanted to meet you. So he takes his hand out, he shakes his hand, shakes the Sheikh Mustaq's hand. And then they had a conversation that I still don't know what it meant. Um, Sheikh Mustaq said to him, he goes, I think you're looking for something. He said, yeah, I am. He said, go over the hill, and you'll find it there. I'm just looking around like, what's going on? <laughs> you know? And the guy's like, okay, great. And he, and he leaves. He starts walking away. Then he turns around and he goes, that's the most beautiful man I've ever seen. And it was really strange, man. It was weird, right? Okay, but like, I mean, you imagine he was probably like 55 or 53 or something at the time. Gray beard, turban on. I mean, you guys saw how he dresses, right? Just like the white sort of uh, garb and... We're on the beach in San Diego, and this guy's yelling how, like, this non-Muslim guy's yelling at how this is the most beautiful person I've ever seen. It was really strange, you know? Uh, and uh, then there was another time I was sitting with him. And um, it was, I was sometime after Fajr. We were sitting in, some, in a, like, someone's basement. And I was just looking down. And then I looked up at him, and it, literally, it's like the... There was so much light that was emanating from his body at that time. It's like I was looking at the sun. I couldn't look at him. I had to actually put my head down. I looked up and it, it's, you know when you look at the sun, it pierces your eyes. We were inside. We are in the basement. And it's just, I tried a couple of times and then I just put my head down. Like you couldn't even look at him. Right? So these types of things happen and occur. 
Right? Now, these are people, we talk about people of this era. Imagine the Prophet ﷺ. Nobody's light could compare to the light of the Prophet ﷺ. You know, that the Sahaba would actually sit and you know, look at the full moon and look at him and be like, no, he's more beautiful. <laughs> you know, he had so much light that emanated from his body. <clears throat> so Imam Muslim, rahimullah, he mentions that once somebody reaches this level of khas wilaya, this special type of wilaya, then it becomes hard for them to even do bad. It's almost not possible. We don't say that they become infallible. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts protecting them from going down the road that would be some evil. Imam Muslim says that even to the point that if an individual who reached this level intended to do bad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wouldn't allow it to facilitate, wouldn't, allow to, wouldn't facilitate it for him. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take that situation and turn it around so that this person then goes higher in the uh, ranks with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless this individual by planting love for him in the hearts of people. And so there's the famous hadith that uh, is said that more or less that you know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves someone, then he calls on Jibreel islam and he says that this, uh, I love this individual, so you love him. And Jibreel islam then calls out to all the, the, the inhabitants of Jannah, of the heavens, and he says that, uh, Allah Ta'ala loves so-and-so and I love so-and-so, so you love so-and-so. Until the mercy and rahmah and love for this individual starts descending into the dunya. Until everyone starts feeling this type of love and this type of pleasure and happiness with this person. That when you look at this individual, you are reminded of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Right? And of course, there will be people who are going to hate it. There's always going to be people who hate it. Right? You have, I mean, the Prophet Sallallahu again, who, who would fit that description more than the Prophet Sallallahu But you had people like Abu Jahl that, you know, hated him as well. Right? So of course you're going to have those people, but that doesn't take away from the status that people have. And so when I, when I finished from my studies, then one of my teachers, he said, <laughs> he said, you know, may, you, may Allah protect you from the hate of the haters. <laughs> but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts this love in the hearts of people for them. And these individuals have such a close station with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has declared in a, in a hadith the Prophet sallallahu that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that whoever harms one of my awliya, whoever harms a wali of mine, فَقَدْ آذَنْتُهُ بِالْحَرْبِ that give him the, then I, then I announce to him the declaration of war. Allah ta'ala said, I only declare, he only declares war on two people. Right, who? No, shaitan's his enemy, but Allah ta'ala declares war on two types of individuals. No. Those who make uh, fasad, the people who engage in interest and the people who harm one of his awliya. Right? Imagine like being in that situation. You're in your grave and the angels come to you with weapons and say, go fight Allah. It's not, there's no game plan there. <laughs> you know? It's over. <laughs> game over, right? This is the goal that we try to reach this level. This, and there's different levels of wilaya also. You become a wali, you can go higher and higher and higher. Right? This khas wilaya with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it difficult for them to do, a, to do a bad. Now there's a difference between, there's a difference between the awliya and the non-awliya. When it comes to them sinning. Because we don't say that the awliya can't sin. Rather, they can sin, but what Imam Muslim has mentioned is that it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala typically shuts down that path of sin for them. 
right? He, he diverts them away from it, even what, at times when they have a notion to do it. And the, but what happens? They start considering things that are not sinful for them to be, things that are not actually sinful to be sinful for them. So like, there was one time I was with the sheikh and he, you know, we woke up a bit late for Fajr. We didn't miss Fajr, but we didn't make it to the masjid for Fajr. So we just, we made Fajr there in the room. And typically he would sit with us after, you know, for a while afterwards and he would just give us, you know, give us some advice and, you know, whatnot. And we'd have breakfast together and he just, he finished his fajr, he got up, he went into his room and for the next like 40 minutes I just heard him crying. He's just crying and crying that he didn't make it to the masjid for fajr, you know. So like, is it sinful? Was that sinful? No, it wasn't sinful. I mean, we, we overslept. We still made fajr in the time, you know. But he took it so hard, so hard on himself. So the difference between a wali and a non-wali when they sin, when they actually commit a sin, is that a non-wali, they sort of like, you're, it's like you're climbing a mountain towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you sin, then you've slipped. Okay? So you make tawbah from it, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wipes that sin away as though you never did it. But you've gone down a little bit. You slipped off that mountain and you've gone down a little bit. Now you need to work your way back up to it. A wali, when they sin and they make tawbah, it's wiped away and then they regain that same place with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're back into that same, that same footing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the difference between a wali and a non-wali. These are things that the mashayikh, the ulama have mentioned. And so Imam, uh, Imam Uzzali rahimullah, he says that, what should, what should we do with this name? A person who loves Allah and his friends, you, it can be said that they have taken a share from this name. They love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They love the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They support the people that are around them. They be there for them. They feel their pain. They try and bring them out of difficulty. And there's a hadith of the Prophet some a dua, wherein he said, Allahumma inni as'aluka hubbaka wa hubba man yuhibbuk. That, O oh Allah, indeed I ask you for your love and the love of those that love you. And so this is a dua that we should make. That, O oh Allah, I ask you for your love. That you love me and that I love you. And I ask you for the love of those that love you. And for the actions, those that will bring your love. Allahumma ja'al hubbaka ahabba ilayya min nafsi wa ahli wa min al ma'il barid. And to place, to make your love more beloved to me than myself, than my family, and even the drinking of cold water. So you have to remember they were in the desert and all that, right? How much would they have loved to drink cold water? But we should love the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. And in doing so, that'll bring us closer to loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Rather, what happens is when you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there's those that love Him, then you start loving them just because they have so much love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? It's like when you have a child and somebody does a favor for that to that child. You feel the softness towards them. Right? Or somebody give, does, a friend for your, does a favor to your parents. You immediately feel this nearness to them. You're appreciative of that. Right? When you love somebody and they, and they like something, I mean, it's typical, like, look at athletes or celebrities. Forget, I mean, you know, when we, people love them so much that when they wear a particular shoe, we start wearing that shoe. I mean, like, look at, you know, <laughs> Michael Jordan. I mean, he, he had a habit of sticking his tongue out when he played. So people just stick their tongue out when they play basketball. Like, you know, I used to do it as a kid. It's weird. It's not going to do anything for you, but you do it. Right? So... All of that is futile. When it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you love him. When he loves an individual, you love an individual. When someone speaks well of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you love them. Right? And you love those actions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq. 
I wanted to leave a few minutes. If anyone, uh, does anyone have any questions? First of all, no. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Sorry. Inshallah. Um, I wanted to use the last uh, few minutes since uh, Mufti Saeed is here and he's done what like ten years or more of extensive studies and spent a lot of time with the Mashaikh and. He's traveled all over the world as well, mashallah. So uh, I wanted to use the last few minutes for him to just give us some advice. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa we feel honored to sit in this gathering, mashallah. It's good to see um, Muslim, mashallah, Muslim youngsters coming and listening to the words of Allah Ta'ala and His Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi and understanding the deen. You heard a lot about me. Uh, let's hear something about you guys. Uh, which faculty, at least which faculty the guys st- are studying in? Sorry, engineering? You're not in a faculty at the moment? Okay. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, we okay, no, but what, what are you guys studying at the moment? Um, so I, I, on the, in the Australian system, it's just a faculty. That's all it is. You do a Bachelor of whatever, science or... Sciences. Sciences? Anything in biochemistry? Yeah. Okay. Computer science. Computer science on this side? Engineering. Engineering, law. Any law students? Biology. Biology. Okay. <coughs> all right. Okay. Okay, accounting. No accounting? All right. Okay. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> no, accountants, inshallah, will go to Jannah, inshallah, if they do the right thing, inshallah. Nahmaduhu nasalli ala rasulihi al-kareem, al-sadiq al-wa'adil ameen, Allahumma la ilma lana illa ma'alamtana innaka anta alim al-hakim, rabbi shrah li sadri wa isil li amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Amma ba'd faqad qala Allah ta'ala fi al-kitabihi al-kareem wa al-furqan al-hameed, ba'da a'udhu billahi min al-shaytan al-rajim, bismillahi ar-rahman ar-rahim, wa kulu min al-tayyibati wa'amalu salihah. وقال تعالى في المقام آخر فبشر عباد الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسن أولئك الذين هداهم الله وأولئك أولو الألباب الحمد لله praise and blessings uh, you know and laudation for Allah تعالى Allah تعالى allowed us to be in this gathering and when we seek the blessings of Allah تعالى for being in this gathering actually what I was about to speak about is not really got to do with the 10 years of study that I had in Madrasa, but it has a large part to do with it. And that is, Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran, وَكُلُوا مِنَ الطَّيِّبَاتِ وَعَمَلُوا صَالِحًا So eat the good things and you will do amale saliha. So this comes in many parts. One is a person eats halal food. In the Quran, Allah Ta'ala when he describes food and describes us to eat something halalan tayyiba. So one level is that you eat halal. The assumption is everyone is eating halal, inshallah, but to the best of their abilities. Um, above that is something that is tayyib. So what is tayyib? And I think this has a great meaning for us today, and that's why I always say that the Qur'an is time eternal. It has a meaning to it throughout time, right? For every generation, they read every ayah, they will take something from it, they will benefit from it. Allah Ta'ala made it such that it is a kitab, it is a book that has context until qiyamah, until the end of time. And... Subhanallah, in this zamana and in our lives today, how we are, tayyib has a big meaning. What is the meaning of tayyib? That is something that is good, right? Pure. So 
Today we see there's a lot of fad around organic, there's a lot of fad around eating something that is uh, natural, that is raw, um, and that is healthy for you. And I think that has a great part to do uh, for Muslims in particular, because a person الصالحة, person eats well, he will do a'mal saliha, he will do good things. Sometimes you do something bad, you don't understand why you did it, it's because you're driven to do it because of what you are eating. In computers those days, I don't know, my, the computer I used, the computers we used to study in programming, we used to study C++, man. Like that's that zamana, you know, that's that from a long time ago. You know, COBOL and Pascal and all those type of languages, they're very old. I think you guys just deal with Java and whatever scripts these days, but that's how we used to study computers those days. So in that time, we dealt with a concept called garbage in, garbage out. Did they still teach that? Garbage in, Jijo? Garbage in, garbage out. So the same with the human body. Just like the computer, if you put viruses in, it will act in an incorrect fashion. In the same fashion, our human bodies, if we put garbage in, we will get garbage out. Person will be depressed and confused and tired and fatigued. Dr. William Davis, who wrote a book called The Wheat Belly, so it focuses on the effect of gluten and wheat, grains and sugars on our diet. He said when he joined college, he came from a very poor background and he was given food stamps. I don't know what that is. In America, they give you something called a food stamp. Have no, what is it? So if you're really poor, yeah. it's kind of, it's a thing the government gives you. It's like a coupon. Okay. You can only spend it on food, and usually it's certain foods. Okay. And yeah, so it's basically a thing for the poor, so they can buy food and only food. Okay, right. I don't understand what that this, this thing is. Okay, so he had a food stamp, and uh, he was able to eat whatever he wanted at the cafeteria, anyhow. And he was given, you know, free access to, you know, bagels and croissants and bread and, you know, donuts and whatever he could have. He said at the end of his first year, he almost failed. And he had no idea why that happened. So he made a lot of research into the field, and he found out that grains and sugar, a person who eats a lot of grains and sugar, it actually increases brain necrosis, right? Necrosis of the brain cells, of the neurons. So your neurons, your brain cells begin to die, and it has an effect on your, the way you think, the way you act, and you know, it can affect you because you're, it causes symptoms such as leaky gut. It causes symptoms such as you know, uh, tiredness, fatigue. In fact, to the extent as cancer, Cancer cells uh, are, some, uh, are apoptotic if they don't have any glucose. So basically, if you don't eat any sugar and grains, if you know grains are made of starch, and starch breaks up into glucose. Biochemistry guys, you'd know what, what I'm talking about. Anyone that studied chemistry or biology would know what I'm talking about. So you know, it's basically it's a huge hydrocarbon. Parts of it can be broken up and it becomes glucose, right? So that glucose is absorbed by the body, and cancer cells live off glucose. So one form of curing cancer, there's a disclaimer I have to put, this, is, this talk is in no way or form a medical treatment. You can't take any medical treatment from this talk. I just have to tell you that just as a, as a disclaimer, just in case someone, you know, this is the country where everyone gets sued. In Australia, you can't go to jail for civil matters, right? Someone sues you, you don't pay, you carry on with life. I don't think America's in the same fashion, right? So uh, I just have to put that disclaimer there. So a person, what he eats has an effect on him. So today, people are suffering from depression. People are suffering from confusion. People are not doing good amal. You want to get up for fajr, you're not getting up for fajr. Part of the reason is what we eat. So what we eat has a large part to do with it. So what Allah tells us in the Quran is, صَالِحًا So a way of increasing your intelligence or increasing your brain cells. Uh, by the way, Alzheimer's, one in three people go through this disease of Alzheimer's. Every three seconds, someone is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. There's an epidemic today. 
and it's a man-made epidemic, right? It's a man-made epidemic because of this fad of having sugar-free, right? Sugar-free is good if it really is sugar-free and it's not supplemented with something called aspartame or other artificial sugars which are very dangerous for you. So the question is, if you have a sweet tooth and you like to eat something sweet, what can you eat? What can you have? So there, there's an alternative, there are many alternatives. One of the agavia sugar, A-G-A-V-I-A, agavia sugar. There's coconut sugar, but the best one is stevia. Now, stevia is 100 times sweeter than sugar, and at the same time, it's non-caloric. So if you guys focus on calories and gaining weight and losing weight, so it's non-caloric. So if you have stevia, then stevia can sweeten up you know, tea for you, coffee, you can put it in your cakes, but don't use flour. So an alternative for flour is coconut flour. It, has, it doesn't damage the body in any way, it doesn't have any gluten in it, and it's very free. So all the aunties or everyone that wants to cook at home, you know, they want to have roti or bread or whatever it is, they want to make barfi and they want to make Turkish delight or whatever they like to make or baklava, use coconut flour, it will make things a lot more easier. So if we eat properly, inshallah, we will do good a'mal with that, and inshallah, by that, inshallah, it will have a good effect on our lives. So eat well, and inshallah, you'll see a great difference and change in your life. So this thing of fat, this fat of organic and raw food and everything, I know it seems a bit funny and probably here in Seattle it's a little bit more acceptable. In Australia it's not. So when we go and buy organic or go to an organic store, we have to go to the other side of the city, you know, in a, in a small darky corner of the city, a town, almost like we're doing something illegal. That's how it's become today. Unfortunately, that's how it's become. Those days it was something that was very prevalent. You know, everything was organic. Pesticides weren't used. People weren't using fertilizers. There wasn't mass production and mass agriculture, which causes a damage to your system. When we eat the incorrect foods, it damages us. That's why we find you know, youngsters having white hair. I mean, I've got friends which are under 24, they get white hair. I don't understand. Someone under the age of 24 getting white hair, someone under the age of 30 you know, have, going through baldness, heart attacks happening. At, I, I knew someone who was at the age of 19 had a heart attack. At the age of 19 having a heart attack. There's a reason for this. Our diets are incorrect, so we have to correct our diet. What we eat has a large, has a large you know, uh, effect on our lives, has a large effect on how we think, how we act, and how we do our a'mal. So Allah Ta'ala advises us in the Qur'an that eat the pure things, وَعْمَلُوا salihah, and inshallah you will do a'mal salihah. Jazakumullah khair. اللهم صل على سيدنا مولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا مولانا محمد وبارك وسلم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا نكوننا من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم وتجاوز أما تعلم إنك أنت عز الأكرم اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والإسيان وجعلنا من الراشدين وجعلنا من المهديين وجعلنا من المهديين والله open up our hearts والله O oh Allah, fill our hearts with nur, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, grant us your love, the love for your Nabi, the love for those who love you, and the love for all the a'mal, O oh Allah, that lead towards you. O oh Allah, correct our lives. O oh Allah, forgive us. O oh Allah, don't leave us for even a half a second. O oh Allah, don't even leave us, ya Allah, for a microsecond. Don't even leave us for the smallest instance, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, be with us all the time and guide us, O oh Allah. Has everybody uh, put their email addresses down on the list that has gone around? Uh, if, if anybody hasn't, then you.